Welcome to Politics Done Differently, a no-frills political podcast for the everyday voter, aiming to engage Australians in the political agenda. Hosted by Katarina Sullivan, businesswoman, award-winning sustainability expert, and political junkie. This episode of Politics Done Differently was brought to you by GNX Leaders, a workshop and mentoring company inspiring the next generation of leaders to embark on a journey of social entrepreneurship in order to create a more prosperous, peaceful and sustainable planet. Welcome to another episode of Politics Done Differently. I'm sitting in Legislative Assembly in the ACT with Tara Chain, who is a member for Ginandera and a member of the Labour Party. And she's also the government whip in the Legislative Assembly. Tara, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you on because you're one of the younger people in ACT Legislative Assembly and you're also one of the women that make up the majority of the feminist government that we've got going on in Canberra. How's that feel? Yeah, oh look, it feels great. And I I think it's something that, um, it's kind of just so normal and natural for us that we've got uh, a majority female parliament. Um, And uh, that's all I've known, you know, since 2016 when I was elected, we had that majority. Uh, We were at 52%, briefly we were at 54%, now back down to 52%, but, you know, the ACT has always been this progressive leader and um, I'm, I don't think people are surprised that the ACT was first, but uh, I have spoken to some other parliaments, including um, other parliamentarians from different countries as well, and they're just blown away um, that we have that in the ACT. But yeah. it's a really good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, the more that our parliament reflects broader society, the better mm-hmm. outcomes we're going to get for society. Sure. And you're not originally from Canberra, but it's very much your home now. Yeah. What made you fall in love with the city when you moved here? Um, it's a really good question. And look, to be honest, the first year and a half that I was here, I hated it. Yeah. Um, I'd never visited Canberra before I moved here. It, um, I never got that year seven <laughs> school trip to Canberra. I think we went to Cairns instead and did white water rafting or something. Um, so quite a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and initially I lived in uh, Red Hill because I thought it would be close to my workplace in sure. Barton as a public servant, as a grad when I moved here. Um, and look, Red Hill is a great place to live, but it wasn't really kind of until I moved to Belcommon that I kind of went, actually, I feel like I found a, a hometown, a place that I belong. Yeah. I'd moved around heaps as a kid. My parents had a range of different career changes and... Uh, moving to Belconnen, you know, finally finding a place that I really felt like I wanted to settle was this quite phenomenal feeling. And um, and it's a beautiful place to live mm-hmm. and um, so close uh, to uh, everything, uh, even to the city and to nature. But uh, I think just Canberra more broadly, it's got this... Um, it's hard to describe just why it's so good and, mm-hmm. and I've written quite extensively about it. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say it uh, in a few short words, but I think it's the people ultimately. Um, we're, we're a progressive city, but um, we're a really proud city as well. And um, kind of once you start scratching the surface, um, uh, 
there's a lot to like here and, and to really feel like you belong. And I think um, that's been a lot of people's experience. Yeah. Why do you think the perception of Canberra is a little bit different to the reality of how exciting it is to live in Australia's capital city? I think uh, our federal politicians have uh, quite a lot to do with it. Um, you know, by using uh, often uh, Canberra is substitute the word Canberra is substituted for federal parliament. So, you know, they'll um, people or uh, all the media says you know um, Canberra today decided to mm-hmm. uh, raise taxes or something like that. Uh, so I think you know we just get a bad rap. Um, for, for that reason but also I think uh, a city that is created rather than a city that you know comes about organically uh, often is plagued with the the same sort of commentary about it uh, anywhere in the world and, and also in Australia um, but I, uh, and I and I think there's a perception that um, we're a public servant town and um, and people don't really know what public servants do I yeah. think that's quite opaque to people um, and so they think that it just must be boring when it's anything but. Yeah. And you spent a little bit of time in the public service before coming to yeah, Parliament. Yeah, almost 10 years. Yeah. yeah. How do you think that perception could change about what public servants do in their day-to-day jobs? Well, really tricky. I don't know. I, I think what's so hard about it is so much in the public service um, we don't speak about openly and, you know, you're really told... It uh, doesn't matter whether you're working on something that's to do with national security or not. Uh, ultimately, what you're uh, working on um, usually is at least quite private or confidential mm-hmm. to an extent, you know, until it's uh, published or out there, particularly if you're in a policy area mm-hmm. like I was for a lot of my career. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure because I think the, the nature of the work itself does require that being, being inwards looking and um, yeah. not necessarily promoting kind of the work that you're doing. But uh, certainly I think um, some of our uh, federal counterparts could do a little bit better in terms of uh, not blasting public servants all the time or yeah. um, making it seem like they're lazy. I, you know, my experience is anything but. We've yeah. got a really hard-working workforce here yeah. uh, who really care about their work and, and want the best outcomes for Australians. Yeah. And, of course, you'd be close with your federal colleagues in the ACT. Do you find that people's perception of them is different to their perception of you as a state member? Or do you think people kind of feel the same way? I'm not sure. I think something for me that's been really important and I I think... um, is a, a great thing about the ACT generally is that all of our local members from um, all the parties, uh, and by local I mean local to Canberra, yep. um, whether you're state or federal, uh, is that you know we're so accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we live here, uh, we love our city, yep. and uh, we spend a lot of time out and about doing things. Yep. And um, I really like that people feel comfortable enough. Uh, to approach me in the supermarket aisle, uh, invariably it's in the toilet paper aisle and I'm like carrying like the big 24 pack or something like that and standing there awkwardly. Uh, but it's a nice thing I think that people don't feel afraid to, to come up and say hello. Yeah. You know, even at the pub last night I had some guy and was like, oh, you're Tara, aren't you? You're mm. our local member. I was like, yep, yep. Uh, need to get back to my trivia game, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's a, that's a really nice thing. And, and I think... Um, 
my federal counterparts get the exact same reaction. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, what I really like about my job is uh, there's so much uh, that we do that's really tangible uh, where I can see the impact of our work, um, mm-hmm. whether it's getting some lines painted on a road or some rubbish cleaned up or... Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of more intangible stuff for people as well, but I think a lot of things in the federal parliament are at kind of that higher level sure. uh, and can often take much longer to happen, yeah. whereas in the ACT it's a bit quicker and yeah. more visible. And I think sometimes that makes it harder for voters to connect to the federal politicians because yeah. they're operating that level, but sometimes voters don't have that direct interest with necessarily, yeah. um, whereas... You know, ACT is very unique in terms of the fact that you operate both as a state and local government, so yeah. you cover such a broad range of services. Is that sometimes difficult in your job to cover all of those needs? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and to be honest, I was having a chat with uh, Suzanne Orr, who yep. uh, for I think this is her third or fourth week now as a minister, yep. and just talking about you know, how do you kind of keep across all the issues just as a minister. Uh, I find it hard as a backbencher. Um, the it, it's the the variety of issues I think mm-hmm. uh, has struck me so much. We get an enormous amount of contact and correspondence from people, um, but very rarely are two issues the same. And often they're co- you know quite complex, or I need to find out some more information about it. Um, but yeah, the number of things we've got going on at any one time is is huge. Yeah. Um, and um, even just this week, I've had quite a big week of. Um, media with two quite different things. One was I was the chair of an inquiry into fuel prices in the ACT mm-hmm. and we delivered our report on that but uh, yesterday I also moved a motion about establishing a, a fertility preservation clinic um, like a one-stop shop for cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very small window if you're diagnosed with cancer um, and before you start treatment for you to um, harvest yep. uh, your eggs or um, preserve your fertility by other means and mm-hmm. and having a, a better pathway would be a good thing but um so I moved that motion uh, it got lots of attention as well and on Tuesday I was doing yeah I think I did five interviews and then I did another two or three yesterday but on Tuesday I would like talk about fuel and then I would talk about fertility and then I'd talk about fuel and then I'd talk about <laughs> fertility and I was like oh my brain <laughs> am I like I've got to keep switching you know two very different subjects yes yeah um, and again, you know, one very tangible that kind of affects everybody. You know, yeah. most people have a car. Most people, you know, it's this grudge purchase of paying for fuel and people mm-hmm. really interested. And then fertility preservation, which, you know, very serious, um, but uh, only affects a very small percentage of people, but no less important. So, sure. yeah, it's uh, an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. And you were talking before about committee work. Mm. Um, is that something that you find doesn't get enough attention in the media um fuel prices definitely got a lot of attention um anytime we had a hearing a public hearing the media reported on it uh, which was actually really helpful Mm -hmm. um but some of our committee work uh i think again could probably have a little bit more attention paid to it but some of it I think it can appear a little bit boring, yeah. um, particularly sometimes, or, or just a bit complex mm-hmm. and, and hard to summarise for the media in a, um, in a way that uh, is easy to digest and, or to present, um, so particularly some of the planning things and the territory plan and 
uh, making sense of that. You know, it's hard enough for us and we do it all day, every day. Yeah. Uh, let alone people who are kind of coming into it fresh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've got lots of committees here mm-hmm. and uh, lots of inquiries going on at any one time. Yeah. And uh, it, it's often an overlooked part of the job, I think. And yet uh, how much time we devote to it is actually quite large. Mm-hmm. And do you find when you speak to you know, everyday people on the street that they know about committees or do you find that sometimes that information is a bit lacking of on the Yeah, leaders? no, I think it, 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 the, the level of awareness is very low. Yeah. I don't think um, many people, I don't think many people could name one inquiry that's going on right now, now yep. that fuel prices is done. Yeah. Um, they might have been able to name that, but... Um, no, I think if you stopped the average person on the street, they probably couldn't name an inquiry that we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, but there's lots. Yeah. <laughs> and lots of really important ones. Um, Michael Pedersen, he's the chair of the uh, education committee, and they've just mm-hmm. tabled a report today into um, bullying in schools. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, really important hot topic for Canberrans. Yeah. But um, were many people aware that there was an inquiry going on? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. What do you think um, could be done maybe to increase awareness? Because, of course, you ask for submissions from the public and yeah. everyone has their political opinion. You know, when I talk to them and I say that I do work in politics and with politicians, they say, oh, well, I think blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. great, <laughs> there's a place to channel it. But how do you think we can make people aware that there is that? I avenue? think there's a lot of responsibility on us as politicians uh, and also kind of on our parliament and our committee secretaries. and. Yeah. It's been a, a topic that we've been discussing really actively, um, uh, at least you know since I got here mm-hmm. uh, three years ago, and we have seen some changes. So about a year and a half ago, uh, I was on the um, the environment committee, and we oh. did a uh, we were doing a inquiry into whether the ACT should have a mammal emblem mm-hmm. and um, we ended up doing a, a survey monkey vote no. um, between uh, the brush-tailed rock wallaby mm-hmm. and the beton and um, yeah being able to uh, it took us a little bit of time I think to convince uh, the, um, the parliamentary staffers that we needed to have a survey monkey account yeah. uh, but we did that and uh, and it had yeah, I think two and a half thousand people voted, mm-hmm. uh, whereas generally, like a committee inquiry, will get um, kind of ten or twenty submissions. So, um, you know, just making even though it's you know to do a submission, all you need to do is write an email. Yeah. But I think people hear submission and think oh, I need to like have chapters and yeah. uh, it needs to be really considered. But no, you can like literally send me a one line email. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, you know at least making it. Uh, more accessible to people in a way that they're more prepared to engage with is important and a lot of our committees have now used um, surveys uh, as a way of um, trying to get submissions and we did that for the fuel one and got over 300 uh, which is a great response Um, but it's also just promoting the work that we're doing as well so often at community council meetings I'll speak Mm -hmm. about it but um uh, Facebook obviously is a, a great way to be like this is happening yeah. and you know if you have a view really need you to yeah. <laughs> make it known yeah uh, you know, no point uh, make it known after the fact like this is an opportunity to really affect change here and yeah yeah have your voice heard 
It's funny you mentioned about sort of the lengths of um, some of the submissions because my company put in a submission last year for the um, at the federal level for the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, mm. and there were some people that just wrote a paragraph that was basically, "I don't agree," or "I think this is an awesome idea," and they're considered just as much as Absolutely. the 27-page submission with chapters that yeah, exactly. <laughs> my organisation put in, um, and I think exactly what you said people get this perception that they've got to have some kind of an education or background but I think that's the amazing thing about having a democracy in Australia that everyone's opinion is just as important as the next doesn't matter where they've gotten their education or if they've gotten an education or what background they're from Um, so it's really powerful and you were talking a bit about social media Mm. how do you find I mean you've basically come in in 2016 so you've always had access to social media in your role but how do you find that it's impacted your job even in the last three years the changes in social media oh yeah so really good question I think when I was first starting out there was real kind of debate um, uh, in political parties about what is the value of social media Um, you know just because you get like Uh, Facebook likes or how many people follow you doesn't necessarily translate into votes but I've really tried to use um, Facebook uh, and and other social media as well like Instagram or Twitter as um, a not as a broadcast tool um, but as a a way of engaging Um, so uh, and not just on my page but elsewhere as well Mm -hmm. so I'm a regular commentator on the ABC Canberra Facebook page, uh, which I'm not sure if they like it or not. Uh, but anytime they post something that's to do with you know something that I've put forward, mm-hmm. uh, you'll always see me commenting. You haven't and, been and blocked. To people. So I haven't been blocked. That's right. Uh, I'm always respectful, uh, but but even on my page as well, I don't just you know tell people about things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if someone comments and has a question, I don't usually leave it there. I try and get some answers for them or, or, or indeed just answer them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I actually think that does really um, translate for a lot of people. I think there's plenty of, uh, you know, my electorate's got 60,000 people. Mm-hmm. not going to ever meet everybody. Yep. But, um, and, and for a lot of people, you know, when we go door knocking, it's during the day, not everybody is home, kind of sure. one in three people are home. Uh, but Facebook uh, at night is really, you know, mm-hmm. people often have their phone in their hand while they're watching TV yeah. or eating dinner or something. And that's when I find a lot of people are engaging. And, you know, often these are people like me, people mm-hmm. who are working during the day, people who are kind of in that 25 to 45 age range. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by knowing that they can have a conversation with me online, yeah. Um, whether it's just through a comment or something, um, that they really do value that. And um, uh, and I really value that as well, being yeah. able to, to talk to a much greater range of people. Yeah. But it is totally exhausting. Um, and I spend a lot of time, you know, kind of thinking... I do all my social media myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about what I post, um, you know, whether people care about what I'm posting, <laughs> you know, should I post this photo of my dog? <laughs> um, but generally, uh, I, I think what is hard about it is that it, it is this 24-hour cycle yeah. where people are 
messaging you at any time uh, and the immediacy of social media people often expect you to respond quite quickly Um, and I had someone maybe a week or two ago um, message me directly on Facebook with quite a complicated question Mm -hmm. that I'm getting back to them on but um, I was quite sick last week we're talking I had surgery so I was off for about a week Um, and I'm getting there but like I've also got a lot of people before this person, but last night they were like, hello, did you get my message? I'm like, yeah, I did, I'm getting there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not, I don't have every answer in my head all the time. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, there's this perception that just because you're there online that, um, you know, you're the only person um, that uh, is having this conversation with them, whereas the plurality of conversations that you're having at any one time sure. is huge. And that would be draining on you mentally and emotionally to... Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um, but people are also really, really nice yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, you know, some people are critical, but I remember earlier in the year I was having some back and forth with someone and they privately messaged me and they said, I know it seems like I'm having a go at you, but I so value that you are open and engaged on Facebook and that you're willing to have this conversation. Yeah. And even just at the shops the other day, I had someone, um, I was doing a mobile office and someone came up and they were like, do you know what? I'm not a Labour voter and I probably won't vote for you, but I follow your Facebook page because you post so much important and interesting information. Yeah. I was like, it's really nice. Yeah. Maybe you could vote for me as well. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the fact that people are getting something out of it yeah. um, is is. Um, meaningful and, and something that I'll keep doing. I yeah. think there is value in it and I'm reaching people I wouldn't otherwise be reaching. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's great that there's a platform because I know, like what you were saying before with door knocking as well, I mean, mm. I live in an apartment complex yep. and it's hard to door knock an apartment complex. It's very hard <laughs> to door knock an apartment complex. Um, and especially the developments in Belconnen mm. with the Belconnen Town Centre, there's obviously a lot of apartment buildings going up. So right. um, it is harder to reach those people. So it's great to have that tool with social media and great that you get so much fantastic feedback from yeah. people that don't even necessarily vote for you. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, no, it is nice. And, and you know, I live in the Belconnen Town Centre in an apartment yep. in, in one of the towers. Yep. I live on the ground floor. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah... Um, I, I can't do unlock people who are essentially my neighbours, which yeah. is kind of interesting. And yeah. uh, I do, um, uh, we do a newsletter to the town centre twice a year as well, because yeah. really, uh, apart from social media or them just seeing me out and about, walking yeah. a dog, whatever, um, the, the only real way I can get to people is by calling them. Yeah. Uh, and I think people hate cold calls. <laughs> Um, yep. <laughs> uh, I think we've got a real generation now of people who just don't answer from numbers they don't recognise. Yeah. I certainly don't. Um, I always play phone tag with your office because yeah. <laughs> you can't Private call. number. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the only way we can really reach people is through their letterbox. Sure. Uh, and even then, um, I don't check my mail every day and <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people don't either because mail is... A dying art form as well. Yes, yeah. Um, not up there in the sustainability, but no impracticality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And we were talking a little bit before about people that might not necessarily vote for you. Mm. Of course, Canberra is very different having the hair clerk system yeah. with voting. Um, do you find that that allows people to vote 
more broadly across the political spectrum and engage more with the individual politicians as opposed to with the party? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a uh, it's such a weird system. There's plenty of times that I'm like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I was like the only member yeah. uh, for this area. Um, and it um, and it can be a bit frustrating sometimes when people um, write to all five of us or even mm-hmm. all 25 of us in the yeah. assembly and you're kind of like, uh, how do I respond? But I respond to everybody, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I think people also really value that, um, you know, there might be people who don't like me, mm-hmm. um, but then they have four other options to choose from and who sure. they can contact. Yeah. And uh, I think having that choice, uh, people do value and like. And I do think um, it does mean that people can uh, and people do vote for individuals uh, rather than necessarily following party lines. Um, And I think that's why we all work um, in all electorates and Mm -hmm. and all politicians. You know, we all work on our brand um, and um, making sure we are accessible and engaged um, through whatever way we think is works, essentially. And, um, uh, but I did, um, and I'm sure the reverse is true as well, but I remember after the election, I had quite a few people contact me who said, I voted you one, and then two, three, four, five liberal. And I was like, mm, okay, well, the number one vote, like, counted. Um, so that matters. Yeah, I'm sure there were other people who, uh, you know, didn't vote for me at all and voted mm-hmm. for all of my colleagues as yeah. well. So, um uh, I, I think that, that power, that agency that people have um, to be able to express their vote that way uh, is really important. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a technical system and it's complicated but uh, and it's quirky, uh, but it is ours. Yeah. And uh, I think we're used to it now and yeah. value what it gives. I feel like it wouldn't be an ACT election without it having some kind of quirk or something (laughs) a little bit different about it. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Yeah. Um, And the election is coming up again next year and you're standing again. Yes. Um, And what are you doing to prepare for that? I mean, we're 12 months out or 13 months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've really never stopped campaigning. Um, And I say we, I I mean that as a party, but Mm -hmm. also my office and me, um, uh, I made mobile offices. Uh, there were plenty of people during the campaign. They're like, "You'll just be out here, at Jamo, uh, <laughs> for the campaign. They'll never see you again." I said, "I promise you, that's not the case." So, yeah. uh, on average, I do a mobile office a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I do five. Sometimes I might not be able to get out there, but on average, it's about once a week. Um, so, um, you know, trying to be highly visible there. Uh, we still do lots of door knocking. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's just awareness raising, like mm-hmm. I'm seeing if people have issues, uh, but other times uh, just going out and talking to people about certain things that we've done. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, actual campaign preparation, so mm-hmm. we have a campaign plan, uh, doing a lot of fundraising at the moment. Yeah. To a shout out uh, for my <laughs> I Heart Belco shirts. Uh, if you want an I Heart Belco shirt, it's got the owl on it, the famous <laughs> owl. Um, the owl or... <laughs> yes, indeed. Yep. But we'll just put it out there, the yep. penis owl, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's an amazing sculpture and I think that while some people don't like it, it it's again performed its way into many people's hearts. <laughs> yep. Um, but I have had some people be like, I'm never going to wear that shirt tie-up. <laughs> um, but play, like, 
otherwise it's going gangbusters. We've sold over a hundred shirts. Oh um, wow! So that's been a really nice little um, campaign fundraiser. Yeah. And just quickly for the listeners mm. who are living in other parts of the country and yes. haven't made their way to Canberra or to Belconnen, sure. um, we have a quite tall statue. Yeah. I don't know how many metres high it is, but it's uh-huh. very prominent. It's about six or eight, I think. Yeah, um, and um, it's an owl, but from behind when you don't see the owl features, it doesn't necessarily look mm. like it's very, it. It's very phallic looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's grey and it only has a face on one side. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's just as you enter the northern hub of Belconnen. That's right. Um, so it's, yeah, quite infamous in Canberra. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. It's very well known. It's also made it into um, Atlas Obscura. I was like, oh, wow, wow, we've really made it. That It's in there, you know, it's like a tourist destination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so we're selling shirts. Uh, I've got a, a raffle at the moment for um, people to uh, have a, a dinner on me with mm-hmm. um, me and the chief minister yep. uh, next month, and um, uh, and also just kind of receiving direct donations as well. So uh, in the ACT, we have a, a cap on how much we can spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only raise about kind of ten to twelve thousand dollars. So sure. I'm close to that now, which oh. it's kind of a relief because yeah. uh, I'd much rather spend time talking to people rather than asking them for money in yeah. an election year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as a party, I guess we've started um, uh, working towards uh, what our campaign's going to look like, but also. Uh, what are some of the key things that are we want to form part of our agenda? Yeah. We've got some challenges, I guess, in terms of um, uh, we'll be asking for people to give us another four more years of government mm-hmm. when we've been in government for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and people say, I, I have had people say, you know, government's been around for a very long time. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and interestingly, um, I've heard one or two people say it's tired uh, and yet the vast majority of our members were elected in 2016. Yeah. Uh, there's only a handful, I think four or five of 12 that are, who were elected before then. So really has been this renewal in our party yeah. and, and in our government. Um, and there's I do l- think we've got a lot of fresh ideas that we can yeah. continue to bring to the table. And there's a lot of young people among those members as well. Yeah. Like you, um, you know, Chris Steele. Yep, Michael. Chris and I are six months, so I'm 32, mm-hmm. turning 33. Chris is just turned 33, yeah. six months older. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Michael's 29. Yeah. Um, and uh, Suzanne's in her late 30s. Yeah. Yeah, so not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. And do you find that that helps in your role, being able to connect with young people in the community, having that little bit less of an age gap between yeah. sort of people in high school and yourself yeah I certainly, certainly think that I um uh I feel young but yeah. I'm <laughs> uh, increasingly aware that uh, my window of being able to call myself young <laughs> is narrowing um fast uh but I, I do feel uh like I uh, can reasonably well connect um yeah. with with younger people and uh, have some idea about what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we often do these sessions with children, mm-hmm. uh, these meet the member sessions mm-hmm. uh, where we do a Q&A for half an hour. Yeah. And a few weeks ago, it was just me. No other member could make it. And I had this <laughs> school and uh, I said, you know, any questions, fine. And 
I think the vast majority of the questions I got was like, do I play video games? And I was like, yes. And like, what do you play? What's your favourite game? And so we talked about, you know, Red Dead Redemption and Metal Gear Solid. Nice. And, and they were asking, like, do I play Minecraft? And uh, something else. And I had to disappoint them. So, you know, but I think um, that was uh, really quite helpful for them on some level because yeah. they were like, ah, oh, like politicians like are interested in the same things that I'm interested in you know these were kids who I think were eight and nine yeah um and they were like yeah my dad plays Red Dead Redemption I'm like, good yeah <laughs> you've got an R rating so uh, <laughs> that's probably important but um yeah it, it was kind of nice to have that conversation and for them to to see uh that uh a, a politician can just be just like them it's, yeah. it's, it's not this uh, not this other creature yeah. um, that's un- uh, inaccessible or um, so different to them that they can't imagine being one. And I think that's important. I, I really want young people to be able to go, oh, maybe I could do that too. Yeah. And having young people in parliament is a great way of sending that message to people that they can do it. Yeah. And how do you think, I mean, other than having role models such mm. as yourself and some of your colleagues... How do you think we can engage more young people in politics, even not necessarily to become a politician, but just to be engaged in that process? I think, I think sometimes we rely on people too much to come to us mm-hmm. um, rather than the other way around. Um, so I think we kind of need to go where the young people are. Yeah. Uh, and I'm increasingly aware that people, young people don't use Facebook. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there's some technologies are probably uh, and platforms are probably need to engage in more yeah um but yeah it's 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 going where the people are and also trying to bust some of the myths i think about mm-hmm. how we operate yeah. um how things are done um and uh you know what does parliament look like how does it work mm-hmm. um and and what's the the how in getting elected I think that's really missing from uh, a lot of conversations is like, what do you actually need to do um, to get elected? You know, how do you choose a party? Mm -hmm. How do you um, decide you want to run? Um, How do you fundraise? Mm -hmm. How do you build up a campaign team? Uh, How do you get pre-selected? I think a lot of that is really unknown to people and it's kind of not till you're in it and wanting to do it that... Uh, those things start to reveal themselves to you but they're big hard questions and yeah. the more that we can kind of be open about those processes the better yeah um and I know that you know we don't have heaps of time but would you mind actually running through a couple of the answers you know how yeah. did you decide you wanted to run sure how did you choose the Labour Party um and how did you take those first couple of steps yeah sure so um I I joined the party when I was 20 in my mm-hmm. last year of uni. Um, I always voted Labor, but it was the, the catalyst for me was um, I was, uh, I just had, um, uh, my boyfriend had just been deported. <laughs> uh, uh, what a way to start this story. Uh, but I was, um, he overstayed his visa by one day, didn't do anything like really wrong, and it got mm-hmm. overturned. Um, but I was like really kind of down in the dumps and a friend of mine 
uh, said, do you want to come hand out how to vote uh, for the state Labor candidate um, and, you know, get out of the house in September, you know, enjoy the weather, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and I went out and I had, like, the best time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and soon after, um, you know, that MP... Um, uh, was very accessible himself and so soon after I joined and I made lots of friends to the Labour Party um, and yeah I think for me choosing the party uh, was a no-brainer that's yep. really where my values sat um, and uh, just took me a little while to kind of make the step uh, mm-hmm. to do so but I was very pleased once I did. Um, in terms of deciding to run uh, it was tricky I think I I was doing really well in my public service career. I'd had a reasonably meteoric rise, I suppose. Um, and uh, But I was really well connected in the community and, and making like lots of, um, you know, uh, had a, a reasonably popular blog mm-hmm. um, about Canberra. I was chair of the Belcoran Community Council. I was on the Arts Centre board. and um, But I was just kind of like, oh, there's so much else I want to do yeah. um, to, you know, uh, keep Belcon being awesome and I went I kind of need to go and be in the room where the decisions get made sure and I went uh, I'm going to do that <laughs> like there's one way to do that and that's to run for election so mm-hmm. that's probably really what guided me but I was very very cautious um, I was so scared of failure I didn't really talk very publicly to anybody mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to run and my dad died uh, just before pre-selection. And it's one of my great regrets is that I hadn't been open with my parents even yeah. that I wanted to run um, and just how serious I was about it and kind of how everything was leading to this point. And yeah, one of the last conversations I ever had with my dad was him being like, you know, what do you want for your future? Like, where do you see your career going? And I was like, I think I might run. Yeah. Um, and it, like he had no idea, and I kind of wish I'd engaged him a little bit earlier. So uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I was totally scared of failure, so I didn't talk about it very often. Um, and then in terms of pre-selection, uh, we had a few rules in the party. You needed to be a member for at least two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we changed that to one year, and you needed to have attended um, three meetings in the last year or six over two years. Um, so made sure I satisfied mm-hmm. those requirements and uh, then you get a nomination form and it's um, you need to have five people endorse you to run. Yep. Um, some people struggle to get five uh, but I worked really hard in my sub-branch to be well known. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I regret doing is there are other sub-branches in my uh, electorate that I could have visited and made myself a bit better known there and I didn't. Uh, and that made it very difficult for me when I had to start cold calling people yeah. and saying, could you please vote for me? Because uh, they knew other people who were running in their sub-branches much sure. better. Um, but uh, I was very lucky. I, what ended up happening is in the ACT, uh, we have um, like a quota system for, mm-hmm. for positions. And what it used to be was we needed to have, uh, of the five candidates we selected, we needed to have um, 40% um, um, men and 40% women and then the, the 
fifth seat could go. So two and two, and then the fifth seat could go wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, but only two men nominated in Gin and Dara and four women nominated for five spots. But because only two men nominated, that's the 40%. Yeah. So they were automatically pre-selected mm-hmm. and didn't have to go through this <laughs> phone calling business. Um. Um, so the four women competed against each other for three spots. Um, so that's where gender equality is working against. <laughs> exactly. We have changed this rule. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Because uh, that was definitely not what the intention had yep. been. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the three of us who did um, make it through, I think we all ended up getting um, votes within the, the 30s and the, yeah. um, the, the person who unfortunately didn't make it through got... Um, in tens, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just wasn't enough to get them over the line. Sure. Um, yeah, and so suddenly I was uh, an endorsed candidate and yep. uh, needed to fundraise and basically I just begged people for money, <laughs> <laughs> particularly my mother. Uh, she made many donations and my partner at the time. I was very grateful for that and, and, yep. and largely my campaign was self-funded. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember watching a video of you at your campaign launch and you were shocked at how many people had showed up to support yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I still get shocked. <laughs> um, I'm still shocked, you know, knowing that people um, vote for me mm-hmm. makes me go like, oh, wow, like, yeah. oh, people do value that work and it did make a difference. Yeah. But yeah, I actually remember um, election night, I uh, got home... Uh, I'd stayed out till 6pm because my mantra throughout the whole election campaign was like, I don't want uh, the polls to close and mm. for me to ever think I could have done more. So I'm like, yeah. out till 6. Um, most people don't do that because in the ACT we've got this 100 metre rule so you can't really yes. contact people. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to give up hope. Uh, maybe there's someone who will drive by <laughs> and like, shove something through their window. Um, <laughs> but So I got home uh, and my partner at the time and my... Um, Mother were like, you know, I've got to go to the, the Labour Party party, mm-hmm. um, which fortunately for me is just down the road from my house. And I was like, I seriously just need like half an hour alone. Yeah. Um, and I had all these people messaging me and I remember just watching the ABC coverage and waiting for the first, uh, the pre-poll numbers for mm-hmm. Jim and Dara to come through or the first numbers. Um, and it showed... I think that I had the second highest in labour after a vet and I remember just and like really solid numbers and I remember I just went like yes (laughs) and um like kind of just clenched my fist and was like okay I can take a deep breath and I I what what was going through my brain Mm -hmm. and it's why no one put me in front of the tv camera like (laughs) I just didn't want to let anybody down you know so many people had uh, donated to my campaign or worked on it or volunteered or whatever and I didn't want people to think it was all for nothing so I was like even if I'm not elected ultimately you know these numbers show Mm -hmm. that it was a really strong campaign and at least we were close and turns out we weren't just close we won yeah oh fantastic yeah and you said that part of the decision that made you run was that there were so many ideas that you had that you just felt like you couldn't do them in all the various positions that you yeah. had within the Belconnen community. Um, what were some of those ideas and have you been able to implement them? Yes, definitely. So uh, green bins, big mm-hmm. one, that's exciting. Um, I think everyone loves their green bins. Um, bulky waste uh, pickup yep. has been, um, that was an, an idea of mine uh, that then 
I actually had moved a motion to make it part of ACT Labor policy yeah. back in 2015. In 2016, it became an election commitment. And uh, just last, no, two weeks ago, we announced it as um, uh, it's going to be rolling out from next year, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Um, I've never really understood why we don't have it in the <laughs> ACT, but with more and more people living in apartments, yeah. being able to pick up bulky goods is really important. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just um, being able to, um, I'm always open to, to good ideas and, mm-hmm. and being able to, to advocate for those different things is really important. Um, yeah. you know, you'll see in my office, whenever we make a front page or an, or an issue I'm pushing makes the front page, we frame it. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it's a nice thing to go like, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was cool. Um, but you know, last year we pushed for a, um, a breast milk bank mm-hmm. um, for people who... Uh, have too much milk or people who don't have enough so yeah like ultimately everyone's sharing and, and gets what they need yeah. um and yeah just yesterday moved that motion on the fertility preservation clinic for cancer patients and um yeah just being able to stand up uh, mm. for people who might not otherwise have a voice is such a privilege yeah well fantastic it sounds like you've had an awesome three years and you've Thank been you. able to do so much that you've you know, set your mind to and actually give Canberrans the opportunity to engage in a lot of the political processes through so. your social media and meeting people and I'd just love to say thank you so much for being on the show yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, and all the best for the next few months leading up to the election and hopefully we'll see you back in Parliament in 2020. Thank you so much it's been a real pleasure. Thanks Tara. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Politics Done Differently. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to hear more, please go back through our library for more insightful interviews. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at PD Differently. If you want to get involved in the conversation, please hashtag PD Differently. We look forward to seeing you next episode.